Valley Christian Church. How are we doing today? Everybody doing all right? Yeah. I'm loving the energy in here. It's so awesome to see you guys. For anyone who doesn't know who I am, I'm Pastor Stephen Francis, filling in for Dr. Greg for week four of our series playlist. Real quick, huge shout out to all of our beautiful people at the Poughkeepsie campus. Love you guys. Thank you for letting me serve you as your campus pastor. And also shout out to all of our people online that are watching. Uh, very excited to be here and to preach this message for all of you guys. If this is your first time here with us during this playlist series, allow me just to give you an idea of what we're doing here. See, in this playlist series, we're taking songs, both new and old, and we're pulling out some truths from these songs. Songs uh, that can connect us actually to what it is that it says in scripture that can help us in our relationships with God and with other people. And it's been awesome, honestly a very awesome series. The first week we talked about U2's One, which talked about how we want to be a church that welcomes people, that doesn't let people crawl when they come in. The week after that, we talked about John Mayer's In the Blood, which focused on generational patterns and curses, how what you do today could be a major influence on your children and even generations after that. Last week, we talked about Taylor Swift's Look What You Made Me Do, which focused on how we can have happy, healthy relationships that reduces the amount of hurt that many of us sometimes get because of mistakes that we make in the relationships that we have. But today's message, I believe, is going to be the one I'm most excited to speak on. And there's one big reason for that. First off, because I believe that this is really going to help change and impact the lives of a lot of people that are in this room. I say that every time I say it, but I really mean it this time. I really believe that this is going to impact some people in this room today. But also because, quite simply, I just really enjoy this song. And before we play this song, I want to kind of let you know that... This particular artist that we're listening to today was one that when I when they originally came out, I was not a very big fan of. I thought they were corny. I thought they were just something made by the media. But after this album came out and I heard this song, I realized that not only do I really enjoy the song, but I am officially what they call a believer. Ladies and gentlemen, today's song is coming from pop icon Justin Bieber. And today's song is Love Yourself. Let's listen to it together. The reason why I enjoy that song is because I believe that there is a message there that's a little bit deeper below the surface when you hear it. See, for anyone that wasn't keeping up, Justin is basically saying in the song that he was in this relationship, that it wasn't good, and that he is making the decision that he wants to move on from this relationship and find somebody that is better for him. And he tells this person that he was dating in the relationship that if she believes that she is this great of a person and everything else, then she is better off without him, that she should just go ahead and love herself because there is no space for him in this relationship. But I believe that the deeper meaning in this is that in order for Justin to ever say such a thing in this song, he had to have had a strong enough love for himself to break away from the relationship. See, I believe in the world that we live in where relationships are obviously something that's so stressed, especially if you're someone here that is single and you're looking to find somebody, many times the reasons why we end up in a lot of toxic relationships, many times why we end up hurting ourselves is because we don't have a proper love for self when it comes to dating. And it causes us to end up in situations that was just mentioned in the song. So today's message I wanna dedicate 
to all of the single and dating people in the room. Now, if you are single and dating, are not in a relationship, recently divorced, can you make some noise for me in this room so I know where you're at, so I know who I'm talking to in here? All right. Thank you. You could do the same in Poughkeepsie. If you're online and you're single, just type, I'm here. I want to dedicate this message to you because I know that the dating single life can be tough. The struggle is real when you are single. But here's the deal. If you are in a married relationship in this room, can you make some noise for me? Where are you in this room? My Lord. It's an overpopulated marriage place. I love this place. We, we see our values in this audience. But... If you are married in this room, I want to encourage you that there is something in this message for you as well. Especially because when you are in a marriage relationship, there is a guarantee at some point in that relationship, someone is going to come to you for advice when it comes to being single and dating. It may be your kids. It may be a, a, a family member, a coworker, neighbor, you name it. But you want to be sure that when someone comes to you asking for advice when it comes to how they should date, when it comes to how they should handle being single, you want to be sure that you give them the best biblical advice that you can. So for all of my single people in here right now, whatever spectrum you're on, I, again, sympathize with you and I feel for you because I know that it can be very tough to be single in this day and age. Relationships are completely different now than they ever were in history. And the thing about that is many of you guys, especially if you attend church here at Valley, have to always be bombarded with sometimes the feelings when it comes to dating. You, you, you come here and you hear people like Dr. Greg, our lead pastor, talk about how he loves his wife and his kids. You hear stories of me and my wife. You go on social media, and if you're of a particular age especially, you see on social media that there are people left and right that you went to school with that are now in relationships, that are getting married, that are moving on with your life. And it can cause you to feel like something is definitely missing in yours. Wishing that, man, I think things, I wish things were different. I actually expected things to be different for me now that I am at this age, but nevertheless, I'm still here. And that's just the people we know. Every time we turn on the television or we watch a movie or we listen to certain music, there's always this constant theme in most of it where it talks about how there is no love like the love that you can get from one other person. How there is no better thing in life than when somebody loves you for who you are. And it's a beautiful thing. It's an awesome thing. But when you're single, it can feel kind of torturous when you don't have that. And it seems everybody else does. Today's message, I want to talk about two paths that happen for a lot of people when it comes to the dating world. And the first path, I believe, starts when someone who sees all of these things and they have all of these experiences, but they're still single and they've been single for sometimes a very long time. They start to feel to themselves that there is something missing in themselves, like they are lacking something, that they can never be who they fully want to be until they have a relationship. And that's actually a path, a direction that a lot of people take when you have a loss of self. Feeling that you can't be who you really want to be, who you fully want to be until you find somebody else. See, the thing about that is when you are in that path, when you have that mindset of having a loss of self, what many times what happens is that you end up in the first step of this path, and that is a place of desperation. 
And desperation is not necessarily a very nice thing. You don't want to be considered desperate, but it's also a natural thing. Many people can be desperate to dating the same way people can be, uh, how people when they're starving end up eating particular things that they know they shouldn't be eating. You know, it reminds me of a particular incident that happened a while back ago before I became a pastor here at Valley Christian Church. I actually was working at a grocery store. That's right, started from the bottom, now I'm here. I was working at a grocery store in Atlanta, Georgia. And in this time of my life, I was super broke. I had no money to my name. And even though I was working at this grocery store, I could only use the money to help pay for my car and then also put money down for this ring that I wanted to use to propose to who is now my wife. And there was a particular day that happened where I did an evening shift at this grocery store. It's a place called Kroger. Many of you have shopped there before. And at this store, I had to do an evening shift. It was an eight-hour shift. And I decided that I was going to do some stuff in the morning. I worked out. I did some errands. And I showed up to work without any food, about to do an eight-hour shift at 1 o'clock. And I realized that I completely forgot my lunch. So here I am, completely hungry from the time I got there, now doing an eight-hour shift, and I don't have any money to get any food whatsoever. And I've confessed this before here on stage, but I am one of those individuals where the hungrier I get, the angrier I get. And it's not a very good look when you are working at a grocery store and you seem upset with everybody that is trying to shop. Things got drastically bad after about the fifth hour I was working there, and somebody came up to me and was like, excuse me, sir, uh, where can I find bananas? And I was like, ma'am, in produce, do you not see me here putting tissues up? And I realized in that moment that I was a little bit stressed out and I needed to figure out how to get some food. So I decided I was going to go into my car and many of us have like the little change area in their car. And I put all the coins that I had and I realized that I had enough money to buy one Hot Pocket. You know you're broke when you can only buy one Hot Pocket because they usually come in packs of two or more. But nevertheless, this was my situation. So I bought the Hot Pocket. I went into the staff lunch room, which is never clean. It's one of the filthiest places in all of the grocery store. And I decided that I was going to eat the Hot Pocket. So I put the Hot Pocket in the little Hot Pocket sleeve and I put it in the microwave and it's heating up. When it comes out, I make the mistake that a lot of people make and that is trying to eat the Hot Pocket the second it comes out of the microwave. That is where the Hot Pocket gets its name, all right? The second I bit that Hot Pocket, it was a literal ball of fire that exploded in my mouth. I literally had no taste buds left once I took that first bite. And not only did I lose all of my taste buds, but also the little sleeve that you put the little Hot Pocket in fell and landed on the staff lunchroom floor, which has not been cleaned in over a month. I knew it had been cleaned in over a month because when it landed on the floor, there was a little bit of like dust and debris that like came up from it. To which I knew that this was going to be disgusting, that this was officially not a hot pocket, but a dusty pocket that was on the floor. But when you're so hungry and you have no options left, you do what any self-respecting person does when they're in that situation. You look to the left. You look to the right. And you do what you got to do. 
We all have had a moment, and you can act like, oh, I've never had that, but we're in church. You can be honest. We've all had a moment where we've done some questionable things because we were hungry. But there was one story in the Bible where somebody did something out of hunger that was so deep and so controversial that Scripture actually warns us to never be this person. And this happens in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16, where the writer says, See that no one is sexually immoral or as godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Some of you guys have never heard of the story of Esau, so allow me to just explain in, the, in a few minutes. See, Esau uh, was a man in the book of Genesis who had a brother named Jacob, a younger brother, and they were both the sons of a man named Isaac. Isaac was a big deal. He was the promised child to Abraham, and through Isaac was going to be a lineage that would give birth to Jesus Christ. But in this day and age, Isaac was an extremely wealthy man. And with his wealth, he also had the, in this culture, excuse me, they also had something called the birthright, which meant if you were born first, you received double the inheritance of any other siblings or any other individual once the person died. And once again, Isaac was loaded. He was a very wealthy man. But one day, Esau, after hunting all day, comes home and he is said to be starving. And he walks into his home and he sees his brother, his younger brother, Jacob, cooking in the kitchen. He's making a bowl of stew. And he says, Jacob, give me some of your food because I am literally about to die. And Jacob says, listen, man, I will give you some food. However, you need to make a deal with me right here and now. And he said that I want your birthright for this bowl of soup. And remember what I said, because of the birthright, he would have had double his inheritance. Uh, Esau's life was supposed to be set from here on out. He wasn't supposed to have any issues because he knew that one day that he was going to receive an abundance of things that would set his trajectory for his life. But still, even though he had something so precious and something so awesome that was guaranteed to him, he says this in Genesis 25:32, Look, I am about to die, Esau said. What good is this birthright to me? And he gives away his entire future fortune for one bowl of soup. The thing that I think is so powerful with this is that so many of us treat a bowl of soup in our inheritance like Esau did with our regular lives and what God has planned for us. I believe that God says in his word that he wants to bless us, that he wants to prosper us, that he wants to put things in our way for us to succeed. But many times we can't get past that. It seems like it's too far away. So we trade it in for whatever we can get in the moment with somebody else. And when we live that way, when we live that lifestyle, and yes, there's grace and forgiveness, but many times we end up sabotaging what it is that God has for us in our future. And many times that will happen when we live a life that is desperate. But the person that is in this life that is desperate eventually will end up in a relationship. And once they get into that relationship, they end up in the next step, which is called infatuation. And infatuation is when you date someone with your imagination. 
See, the thing about infatuation, it's a normal thing, but when you live in infatuation, it causes for you to end up turning your brain off. It causes for you to start believing that this person is everything that you have ever looked for. Certain phrases that a lot of people say when they're infatuated is that this person completes them, that they are perfect for them, that they fulfill them, that they love them unconditionally, that they meet their every need. But that's impossible because that is another human being. You can't find that in a one other person. But when you believe that, and you treat the person in that way, it can set you up for dangerous things. Even worse, many times when people are in the infatuation phase, they'll end up not only dating a particular person that they believe can complete them, but they'll start to see a lot of things that are red flags, but they'll ignore those things, hoping that one day things will change. A lot of people like to call this the one day exchange, which says this, that it's the Believe that you can trade in your time, your energy, emotions, and intimacy on the hope that you'll, that one day you'll be given um, what it is that you want from that particular person, the one-day wager. And many times when we live in this way, and we also have this idea of looking for a soulmate as well, which is the idea that someone else is complete, uh, was made just for us, and that we can live happily ever after with that person. When we believe many of these things, we end up turning our brain off, and this ends up bringing us down the wrong course. Guys, if I could be honest with you in here, there are so many times when I hear about couples that break up after three, four, five years, and the reasons why they broke up so long ago was actually the same issues that they had when they started dating three, four, five weeks in. But because of the infatuation phase, they begin to ignore that and move on. But then after the infatuation phase, there comes the next thing. And by the way, I need to want to read this quote from this particular individual that I believe uh, says it so much because a lot of us many times believe we can get into relationships to change other people. And this man, this uh, actually psychologist named Jacob Broad says these words, consider how hard it is to change yourself and you'll understand what little chance you have in trying to change others. When we enter into relationships believing that the things that we don't like about the person we can eventually change, we are playing a dangerous game. But then after the infatuation phase comes the isolation phase. And this is what happens when many people get into a relationship and they all of a sudden disappear from your life. This was a very good friend of yours. They maybe even came to church. They were serving in church. They were a part of your community. But all of a sudden, they get in a relationship, and the only place you see them is on Instagram going on vacation with the particular person that they're dating. And it's not wrong for you to have quality time with someone that you're interested in, but many times when someone enters that area of isolation where they completely forsake all of the relationships that they had beforehand, what you're communicating is this, that whatever life you had when you were single was not a good life. That the friendships that you had when you were single were not meaningful friendships. And that you now entering those relationships is you saying that I'm done with those things. I don't want any of that stuff anymore. All I want is this one person. And you begin to isolate yourself. Keep yourself stuck in a particular place with this person, thinking that you're going to get all of your needs met. But in reality, it just leads you to the next part of the dating journey, and that is consumption. And this is the point in the relationship where the people that are dating start to act like they are actually married. And many times this is the, the area where people are not actually, they haven't 
made uh, arrangements of getting engaged. They haven't made arrangements of actually trying to move in their life in a progressive way. But everything that they do to each other is the same that it would be with a married couple. So why bother with getting married? And then this act of consumption, many times it causes for there just to be a draining from people. I've seen so many people in the consumption phase where they know that this relationship isn't good. They know that this relationship isn't healthy. Yet at the same time, they also cannot find the strength to leave. Everyone around them is telling them that this relationship is not good and that they should leave. Yet still, they stay stuck in this place because they are consumed. But then eventually... After the consumption leads to the final place in this type of relationship, which is concession, which usually ends in one of two ways. You usually end up breaking up in a devastating fashion and you feel that this person that you are with has just robbed your heart and you're heartbroken. Or you can end up saying, you know what, let's just get married. We've done everything else anyway. Let's get married. And many times people get married and will even later on have children thinking that this will fix the relationship when it only allows for those problems that were there originally to now become even bigger in their lives and more painful. See, if you're in this stage, if you've ever been in this place before, let me first say that this is not a condemnation, that there is no shame here. I know this path well because I went through this path myself before I entered entered into healthy relationships. But the thing about this is I wasn't able to enter into healthy relationships until I was first taught what that looked like, what what that was supposed to be like for me. And for many of you in here, you do want to know how to do it. For many of you in here, you do have that. So I want to talk about what it does look like to have something different than this when you have a loss of self. And I believe that the other way that we can do that is like we heard from that song, by loving yourself. See, the person that has a love of self, first off knows that yes, they are living in a world where Dr. Greg talks about how he loves his wife and kids and I talk about how much I love my wife and there's people all around them that are getting married, that are in relationships and they see it all in the media. But they also know that yes, a relationship is great. Yes, a relationship is awesome and it's something to pursue, but that they are a whole person already. That they do not need somebody to help give definition to them, but God gave them enough definition from the jump. In fact, I believe in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that this applies to those that are single, married, wherever you are. That 2 Corinthians 5.17 reads that, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. This makes me know that my life began not when I met my now wife, Jasmine, but my life began when I gave my life to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. If you're in here right now, your relationship never was the start of you, but if you gave your life to Jesus, that was the thing that began your life all, uh, in, in totality and, and truly going forward. First Peter 2.9 also reads this, but you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So not only am I a new person because I accepted Jesus, but Jesus has now given me worth. Jesus has now given me value. Jesus has now given me something that I could never achieve or find in anyone or anything. 
And when you are living in that area where you have full confidence in yourself and you believe who it is that God has made you to be, you no longer date out of desperation, but you date out of a place of dependence. Independence is a powerful thing because when you date out of dependence, you're not dating like someone out of desperation because when someone dates out of desperation, they're dating out of a place of emptiness, looking for someone to fill them up. But if you're dating out of dependence, that means you're dating out of overflow, that you know that you're someone of value, that you know that you're someone that has potential and wants to do great things with their life, and you're looking for someone who you can join with you and pour into along that journey. But here's the thing as well that I I do need to say, because there's a lot of people in here right now that do love themselves, that do honestly love God and they know the value that God has given them. But the single life can be hard. You've been trying to walk the straight and narrow. You've been trying to do everything the way that God says. And it is the biggest temptation for you to just do what Esau did and just give up so you can have a relationship right now with somebody that is willing. I want to let you know that that's a difficult thing, and I get that. But I want to encourage you with this. Scripture also goes on, and it says, 1 Corinthians 7, verses 6 to 7, I say this as a concession, not as a command, but I wish everyone were single. This is, by the way, Paul talking to the church of Corinth, and he's saying here that I wish everyone were single just as I am, yet each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. And what he is saying here is that whatever stage in life you're in, if you're single right now, if you're married right now, that is a gift. That is a gift from God. And that if you are single right now, that God has put a calling on your life that fits your singleness. If God has put a calling on your life and you're married, that it fits your married life and that he wants you to continue to pursue that. He wants you to continue to work on that. Another verse that it says in scriptures comes from Proverbs 28, 18, which talks about without vision, the people cast off restraint, meaning God has not only given you a a calling on your life, a gift if you are single, but also if you don't have a vision, you may end up going wayward and getting distracted. But if you have that vision, you will be able to accomplish much. Your singleness, if you are single in here, is a gift from God. And if you have a vision for it, you will prosper. Something that I believe is so true is that many times when we don't have what we want, we are in a stage of preparation. And preparation time can easily become wasted time if we're not investing it in the right ways. The other thing about that, too, is that I believe that there's also an element of in your singleness being willing to also find the right people in the right places. I think many times when it comes to love and relationships, a lot of us wish it happened organically, that we just meet somebody one day uh, while we're at church or somewhere else. But sometimes we have to be bold and just put ourselves out there to, to meet people, obviously in the right places, though. I do not think you need to swipe right on certain websites in order to find the right person, if you understand what I'm saying. Although I will say this, that I think dating apps are cool, but I also think that if you want to do a dating app, be sure it's one worth investing in and not just some random one that's free. Usually the free ones is where you get the free Lotus, if you understand what I'm saying. (laughs) But I believe sometimes this means just going to different social events. I believe that sometimes this means that if you're a guy in here, you need to just man up and just ask a girl out every now and then instead of worrying about rejection. 
because I think there's a lot of young ladies both in this church and all over that love God and they want to have a relationship with somebody, but they don't because a lot of young men, even men in the church, would rather find a person that's a lot easier to pursue than someone that's truly of value. See, I believe in this concept, and I've said it once before when I preached on singleness, but I need to say it again. I believe in the concept of being an eagle and not a duck. And it sounds silly when I first say it, but I want you to consider this. An eagle and a duck are both birds, but they have nothing else in common. Eagles are majestic creatures. Eagles, when you see them, have a presence about them. They have a beauty about them. And ducks have none of those things. A duck is usually walking in packs. A duck makes a lot of noise but doesn't do a lot of cool stuff. A duck is easily one of the most annoying birds that you could ever come across. They block traffic. They poop in the road. And if you're a runner like me, you have to step over it. It's a very difficult thing. I do not like ducks. Pray for me. (laughs) But the other thing about ducks and eagles that I believe is very insightful is this is that you can find a duck anywhere, but an eagle is hard to find. In fact, if you want to find an eagle, you not only have to be in the right places, but you also have to pray that an eagle shows up. I believe that if you are in Christ and here, that God has made you to be an eagle, that God has a calling on your life that is greater and better than anything. And the biggest temptation for any eagle in here is getting in a relationship with a duck because they are quite easy to find. But also, in a relationship with a duck and an eagle, the eagle cannot live up to its full potential, and the duck gets frustrated because the eagle is clearly just better than him which is why it is worth the wait, it is worth the fight, but at the same time, we have to be willing to go out of our way. Eventually, though, by the grace of God, the person that does love themselves and is dating out of dependence does get into a relationship. And from that stage, they go into the area of interest, which instead of dating with your imagination is now dating with intellect. It is the idea of saying, I'm not looking for a soulmate. I'm looking for a soul, S-O-L-E mate. Like I have somewhere that I need to go and I need to be sure that the person in my life can roll with me as I do it, can come on this journey with me. And if that's the case, I need to be sure that this person is qualified to even be in this relationship with me. So I need to ask questions. I need to get to know who they are and what they're about. In your Valley app, I put a bunch of questions on how we can get to know someone that we might be dating, but I will also highlight five of them right here during our time together. First question goes like this. What are your intentions? Are they looking for a real relationship? Next one. What was their last boyfriend, girlfriend like? What happened there? Next one. Can he or she keep a job? That's important. Do they struggle with anger? Is their life changing? Is their life changing as a result of their relationship with God? These are questions that you need to be able to ask and not only ask, but need to like the answers that you see. Something that I believe is always true is that when someone tells you who they are, please believe them. And if they do not have the answers that you're looking for in this place, then you need to highly consider, all right, maybe this is not the person for me. 
But then also after you have the invitation and you, excuse me, after you have the interest, you start to enter into the area of invitation. An invitation is the opposite of isolation in the sense of instead of you isolating yourself, leaving the life that you had, you're saying, listen, I love my life so much. I want to see if the people in my life like you in it. So you invite them into your space. One thing about my wife, Jasmine, that I really appreciated this and she inspired this point because when I first met her and we started dating, she said, listen, I think you're a really cool guy and you're also, uh, you know, extremely, extremely handsome. But (laughs) before we go any step further, you need to meet my family. You need to meet my friends. So I first met her sister, Brittany, who was a wonderful person. And many of you know Brittany and Brittany liked me. And then Brittany gave the okay for me to meet the rest of the family. And I met the rest of the family at this one event. And the mom was super sweet. Her brother was awesome. Her oldest sister was great. Uh, Her dad is usually a very nice guy, big smiles, not that particular day. There was a lot of death threats every time we were by ourselves. Just like, listen, man, you better be treating my daughter well. Or whatever. He's a very big man, if many of you know him. But after talking to her dad, after talking to her family, I not only realized that I like Jasmine, but I like her family. I wanted to be a part of this family. I wanted to have fun with her friends as well. And in that invitation, she also got to meet my family. And we even a few weeks ago got to have an awesome event where it was my family and her family. And we were just having so much fun together. But that was because of what happened so long ago when we invited each other into that relationship. Listen, if you meet, if you allow the person you're dating to meet your family or to meet your friends and there's a problem with that, you have to take that into consideration. If your mama doesn't like them and they like everyone, take it as a red flag. (sighs) But also from there, you go into the next step, which is contribution. And actually, before I even go to that, let me say this as well. For all of my parents in the room, for all of those that have young children that are dating, please let me encourage you to have relationships with your kids where they feel open to talk to you about their relationships. Where they feel open to say, hey, I'm I'm talking to this person. I want to know what you think. I I, want to know if you like them or not. Because many times you can help uh, sow seeds of of positivity and also them going the right way by saying, listen, I'm for you. I want you to be with the right person. And let's be able to talk about if this person is right for you or not. But after you do the invitation phase, you now enter the contribution phase. And that's when you invite that person into your world. And now you're making the decision that I want to contribute to this person's life. And I needed to add this here because contribution is, yes, I'm adding to this person's life, but you're still not acting married until you're married. It's you saying, listen, uh, I know you uh, are interested in this thing. Let me come alongside you. Let me help you with this. Let's, let's, let's do some fun stuff together but at the same time there's still boundaries and we talked about boundaries last week if you weren't with us but I want to talk about five major boundaries uh, four actually that you need to have when you're in this contribution area of relationships because once you get this close it is very easy for you to start crossing lines but four things that you need and this isn't in your valley notes so if you want to write this down in the additional you can but you need to have touch boundaries 
You need to have travel boundaries. Where are you going and are you always going alone? You need to have time boundaries. And last but not least, you need to have talk boundaries. And I believe talk is great. You need to talk a lot in relationships. But let's be real again. Many of us start talking and it can lead to something else if we're not careful. Especially in the dating relationship. But once we do that, we end up in the final phase, which is the initiation. And in this phase, it goes one of two ways. You either end up saying, you know what? I think this person is great. I think this person is awesome, but I need to move on. And that's a tough thing. That'll always be a tough thing. But at the same time, the person that has enough love for themselves and has done things the right way, yes, it will be tough, but it will not be crushing to their soul the way it was for sometimes those that end up giving all of themselves away in a relationship and feel like they have nothing left when it's over. Or the initiation could lead to us saying, you know what, this is so awesome that I want to spend the rest of my life with you. And you decide to get married and move forward. And all this stuff is nice. And there may be variations of a lot for a lot of people on what their dating relationship looks like. But again, as I close now, there's one important thing that I need to make clear. That many times the way we date the people that we attract to ourselves even is intrinsic upon how we see ourselves. And many of us even do love ourselves and we're doing great, yet at the same time, it can be so tough in your singleness. And it can be difficult in your singleness to, stop, to, to not feel like maybe I'm going to die alone. And that fear makes you settle for whatever you can. But I want to encourage you today, and I want to actually pray right now for each and every person in this room. I want to pray first for those that are in here, that are single, that are dating. That you make sure that you follow what scripture says is laid out for you as a happy, healthy relationship with another person. But I also want to pray for those that may be feeling discouraged today in this room. That may be feeling like, listen, uh, I've never been married. Listen, I got divorced and I don't know if I can ever get myself back into that place. I don't know what to do. I want to pray for you. That you find that where you are right now is exactly where God wants you to be and that you trust in that. But I also want to pray especially for those that are in here that have children that are single. For those that are in here that know somebody in their life that's dealing with the situation. And last but not least, I want to pray for those that haven't received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you can't love yourself because you don't know how much God loves you. When we know how much God loves us, that he loved us so much that he would die on the cross for our sins. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That changes the way we see ourselves. That changes what we think we're worthy of. So without further ado. Would you pray with me? Let's pray together. God, first I want to pray for each and every person in here under the sound of my voice that's watching in Poughkeepsie, that's watching online, that feels like that they are at the brink of giving up when it comes to singleness, that they want to be with somebody, that they want to have, uh, to share their relationship with someone, but at the same time feel like that it's just taking too long. 
God, I pray for those that are in that place today that you encourage them to not be like Esau, to not trade away what it is that you have for them, but they don't see it down the line for something cheap and for something they can just get in the moment. God, I pray, Lord, that you bring the right person to each and every person's lives in here that is single, that is looking to start a relationship, that is looking to have godly relationships. And I pray that you encourage them in this time, Lord, to let them know that if they continue to trust in you, if they continue to invest in themselves, that they will find that person. But, Lord, to be faithful in the midst of it, to not allow the preparation time to be wasted time. And, God, I also pray for every person in here that's married and they have children that are going to date one day, that are dating right now, and they want to see them make good decisions and maybe it's not a child that they're worried about maybe it's a family member a friend or somebody else father i pray for their hearts right now that they have a peace that you use this message that was used for singles to be the tool by which they teach those that are around them that are single to to love themselves to seek after god to trust in what he has for you and to not settle god we thank you lord for what it is that you do have for us and the place that you have us in and I pray, Lord, that we always see, no matter what our situation, that you are enough. Whether we're singled, whether we're married, you are enough. And if you're in here and you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to start a relationship with him before you start a relationship with anybody else. Scripture says that if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And this prayer that I want to do, I want you to repeat these words after me. And this is not anything magical. There's nothing necessarily specific with these words, but the position of your heart will communicate what it is you want from God. So if you want to receive Jesus today, pray these words after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for this day. I thank you that you wanted a relationship with me before I wanted a relationship with anyone else. Jesus, come into my life. I confess that Jesus is Lord, that he died on the cross for my sins, and that you are enough for me. Thank you for this relationship together. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Valley Christian Church located in Hopewell Junction, New York. Please visit us online at valleychristianchurch.net for more information. Thank you.